Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. Once again, everybody, it's uh, election day. We're doing the show on the morning of the election. And uh, I'll just say right off the top that, uh, you know, no matter what happens, uh, we're going to have to deal with it. I've already voted. I voted early down here in Florida and uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, whoever wins, we're going to have to uh, deal with things. So um, I did want to take a look, uh, Joe, at how the election uh, will affect poker. I mean, obviously, that's what we do on a regular basis. And uh, looked at a couple of stories, and and nobody knows for sure. That's uh, that's clear. But uh, things seem to be moving along slowly. There's still some uh, legislative uh, work going on. There's uh, legal stuff in the courts, and uh, you know, we could add a couple of uh, states this year. And it'd be the first time in a while, really. I mean, obviously, Pennsylvania has uh, done some stuff uh, recently, but uh, that didn't really shake up the online poker world. Um, so, um, you know, we can only hope that things continue to get better. That is true, Dave. And it's an interesting question you posed there as to how the election will affect poker. And uh, my experience has been, at least from a state level and so far from a federal level also, um, it's interesting Usually first-term governors and presidents, uh, most first-term politicians try to stay away from most gambling <laughs> uh, legislation because, the, you know, it, it's a you know, hot stove topic there. You know, people get very emotional both one way or the other. Um, so it's very interesting, uh, you know, whether anything will help uh, on a national level, whether, um, you know, as you said, a lot of states are starting to get it, and it'd be really nice if the federal government allowed us to, you know, co-mingle the, the states and, you know, take some of these restrictions that, that, that we currently sit, you know, working under away. So that's my take on whether being a, whether we have a new president or the old president, uh, which, way, which way stuff will go towards poker, if anything. Well, let's take a look at what some of the experts think. Let's start off with uh, the basically our poker state of the union. Now, obviously, we have the four states. Uh, and three of them are commingling their pools. The newest one, Pennsylvania, is not joining uh, Nevada, New Jersey, and Delaware, but um, you know could in the future. But um, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, brick and mortar poker rooms that are. Uh, have done pretty well recently in the Philadelphia area and several other places in the state. Pittsburgh uh, has the Rivers Casino. Uh, But uh, we'll see what happens as far as uh, Pennsylvania goes. But just to look at what's coming up, uh, two states, Michigan and West Virginia, have legalized online poker, but they haven't launched yet. Uh, There's a lot of excitement in Michigan because that could be a very big market. It is a casino town. Detroit is. So uh, there's also some Indian casinos as well. And we'll see what happens as far as poker in Michigan. Um, Gretchen Whitmer has uh, kind of been a friend of online poker, I think, from the things I've heard. And we'll see what happens as far as getting that going. Uh, Obviously, previous administrations in Michigan uh, were no friends of ours. Anyway, uh, looking at what's coming up the pike, we could see some new things this year. Steve Ruddock, who we've had on the show before and writes for um, the uh, Betting USA. He's the content director for them, and he's the editor-in-chief at the Gaming Law Review. We've had him on the show several times. He's on, always looking at this. He says his short list for uh, uh, legalized poker would be Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Indiana, and Iowa. So none of those uh, would shake the earth uh, for sure. But uh, as we add more states, that makes it okay, I think, for everybody else. I don't think we're going to see anything soon from New York or California, which uh, would uh, put everything over the top. And Uh, you got to start adding Florida to that list, too. I I guess we do. I guess we do. But I think... uh, 
you know, I think the sports betting is going to be tied in with that. And I, I don't have a lot of hope that they're going to be moving quickly on that. But uh, as far as New York and California go, the last serious push in New York was has been about three years now. And uh, California also kind of gave up when they just could never seem to get uh, the Indian casinos and the card rooms together to decide what they wanted to do. So uh, Ruddick is not optimistic about uh, those two states, but uh, we'll see what happens here. Um, t- talking about uh, Vegas, and uh, this is pretty interesting. Uh, we've seen rooms opening back up, but we've also very recently seen some rooms closed, and it's been pretty shocking uh, for live casinos. First of all, numbers They've uh, dropped over the since they returned to play out there. They've dropped three consecutive months, uh, nearly a 40 percent drop this past month. And there's been a decision made to by the MGM resorts to close down the poker rooms in three places. Uh, The Mirage, which always was uh, kind of a nice attraction. Uh, Also, uh, let's see, the other two that closed down were... uh, Mandalay Bay and the Excalibur. So those uh, those places are, are shutting down their poker rooms. They're all small rooms. I think uh, the biggest one was 12 tables. Uh, Dave, I mean, I was out. I mean, granted, it's been a few years since I was out there. The Luxor has a small room. Uh, when I was in there, they might have had two to three, maybe four tables running. They run daily small tournaments in some of these rooms. To be honest with you, I can't talk about Mandalay Bay because I wasn't in there. The Mirage is a big, you know, big enough room to close. And, um, you know, I don't know how you feel about it, Dave, but it's not a surprise. It's really not no, a surprise. It's not. It's not. But still, the news is disappointing for a lot of people. I'm sure that most of the poker dealers that worked in Vegas have gotten other jobs. But there, if well, there's anybody that really wanted to go back to the same room and, and started working in one of these small rooms, it's another it's another blow uh, for them. Well, and and as we know, uh, for the publication that you write for, you know, Annie Up has been sending me almost a weekly uh, email concerning what rooms have been opened up and and still closed around the country in the different states, and um, that that does make it very difficult for dealers. There are some places that are open that are asking for dealers and seeing if people want to relocate. That's, you know, relocation for someone who's married or in a relationship. It's a lot easier when you're single and you can just pick up and go. Uh, but if you don't have a lot of money saved up either to, to get a new place to stay and everything else, the the poker world's going to suffer for a while from this, in my opinion, Dave. Uh, yeah, absolutely. These states that that had a booming, you know, uh, poker industry, you know, uh, that now don't have that, and as you mentioned, numbers have gone down. You're you're limited. You're limited to how many tables in some of the states. You're limited to how many players can sit down, and when you're part of a casino. Um, I keep telling people, you know, they don't seem to understand poker is, is usually the largest expenditure, you know, expense, expense that, that a casino has. Yeah. yeah, expenditure because of the amount of people, the, the benefits that you have to provide, um, and it's the least drawing income. Right. So poker, you know, you, you want to have those big tournaments. We always speak about how wonderful Vegas is during the WSOP all the other casinos, you know, like the Venetian, the Aria run big tournaments on their own. that are extremely successful. They fill up your hotels, they fill up your restaurants, uh, you know, your table games are filled, you know, on times that people aren't playing in the, in the poker room. But when this, you know, obviously with what we've been going through for the last six, seven months, it's just brutal. You know, it, it really is. Yeah, well, if you live out in Vegas or you're in the area or plan on visiting soon, you'll you'll be happy to hear that the MGM Grand is keeping their room open and they are going to use the MGM Grand to uh, to have some free rolls to get rid of their bad beat jackpots. Uh, 
Uh, I guess they're required by law to actually pay that stuff out. Uh, so they're going to use uh, the revenue of the jackpots from those rooms at the MGM Grand throughout the month of November to try to uh, get rid of some of that cash. But uh, we're talking about a 40 percent uh, decrease in business at these poker rooms. Uh, you know, obviously it was more at one point, but they were able to recover some cash. But uh, the outlook really uh, is not good because we talked about uh, – Sheldon Adelson uh, planning on selling his uh, Vegas properties, the Sands, uh, the Venetian. And uh, basically he says it's because the Las Vegas convention industry has been so damaged and no recovery in sight that things are never going to get to where they were. Hmm. Well, Far be it for me to argue with a billionaire who knows his business. Yeah. Uh, but I think we spoke about this last week. He is going to keep his Malaysian market, right? All the, right. And Macau and all that uh, stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sorry, Macau and everything else. Um, so, you know, he's got to do what he's got to do. Do I believe Vegas will come back? Sure. Quickly enough for everybody? Probably not. You know, so, yeah. um, you know, this is. This is a long-term project, in my opinion, to to even start coming close to the numbers that we had prior to the pandemic. Yeah, well, it's, he's not he's not the only one. Planet Hollywood is an ex- example of one that is uh, just kind of open for the weekends only. Uh, the Wynn Resorts uh, at the Encore are halting midweek operations. And it's a, it's a whole smaller scene, no question about it. So uh, things will change. There's new companies coming in that may want to give it a try. But this is the fourth straight month now that they've had at least a 22% drop since they reopened in early June. So, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen. The Rio, I, I just saw a note that they haven't even reopened yet. So, uh, you know, I, I know that they use a lot of extra space in ballrooms and that sort of thing. And I don't know how big their regular room is, but there's there's not a lot going on there. Oh, well. Dave, poker is going to be on the back burner for most of the casinos out there. They want to yeah. they want to get their, you know, their revenue uh, generating uh, <laughs> uh, games up and going as quickly as possible. Now, one thing I will mention, I think I mentioned to you last week that my daughter was going to be going away uh you know to vegas uh for the weekend mm-hmm. and she got there on a thursday and left oh, she's Sunday. Ba- she's back you've talked to her since yeah, she came back exactly now she said that thursday it was very slow she stayed at the mgm uh they were very accommodating and everything else just but by saturday started friday night the place was packed she said the casino was packed she couldn't believe how many people were there and, you know, I don't know if you know this date, but weekends, you know, Vegas has a large uh, influx of people coming in from California. Yeah. Being that it's a, you know, relatively short ride and everything else. So she said the place was packed all the way through Sunday when they, they uh, her and her fiance had a um, an afternoon flight. So she goes, man, they they're doing okay because on the weekends. And I said, well, yeah, that's probably because the Californians are going crazy. That they yeah, can't for get sure. Out. But let's be honest. Uh, when you're used to a business that's seven days a week, 365 days a year, making uh, huge amounts of money, and all of a sudden you're cut to the weekends, uh, you start looking for alternatives, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. You got to see how you can maximize your, your profits and your rooms, um, you know, she said when they got there, there was a problem with the room, and they quickly upgraded her. So at least customer service, they upgraded her with a great, terrific room view. They didn't question anything. So as far as that's concerned, you know that's really nice to see because sometimes you don't even get that, you know, during the regular time. I was looking at uh, some article about the numbers out there as far as number of rooms and. Uh... And uh, there's been quite a change. There's no question about it. Uh, at one point, there were 34 rooms in Clark County, which is the Vegas area, 430 poker tables. And now there are 21 rooms and 285 tables. So you're talking about, you know, where, again, you're talking about 35, 40% decrease in some of that stuff. And, uh, you know, it's not the same everywhere in Nevada. I mean, places like Reno are doing well. They said that the uh, business in Lake Tahoe is blasting off. 
And, uh, you know, so maybe there's just a move and maybe the era of a huge Las Vegas is just starting to be over. Yeah, and I don't know if they're still, because I know a lot of the rooms, once they opened up, um, were four-handed. I don't know if they've increased it in Vegas. Uh, you know, four-handed yeah, I think they have. I think they, difficult. I think they have successful. moved up a little bit. I've heard about six tables, uh, six-player tables and that sort of thing. Some you maybe know, even seven. So that's, you know, and again, I don't know if they're spacing their tables once, you know, I don't understand, you know, what precautions they have. They're forced to go through and everything else. Well, I, I can just tell you that those rooms, uh, Mirage, uh, they're all owned by the MGM, the Mirage, the uh, Mandalay Bay, and the Excalibur poker rooms, although small, are all closing for good. This is not a temporary closure. If things get better, I mean, they could always reverse course, sure. But uh, right now, it's a permanent closing and change. Well, my guess will be, you know, when you'll probably start seeing some of these rooms back opening up uh, once the WSOP, uh, you know, main event and that seven, eight weeks, once they start making plans for that and making a, an announcement that it's going to be coming back and it's going to be back to its format. How many how many yeah. bracelets were we looking at that we were supposed to see this year? Close to 100, wasn't it? Or over 100? Bracelets? Yeah, somewhere around there, somewhere around that around number. There. So that means that tells you how you know how many you know bracelet events, how it was growing year by year. We kept mentioning it on our show here. Um, my guess is once you see the WSOP come back and see how they're going to handle that, how many events they're actually going to have, uh, that'll probably be the start of poker room starting to come back in Vegas. Yeah. It's going to be a, it's going to be a slow, slow haul, Dave. I, uh, yeah, I I'm, not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold my breath for sure. Exactly. Anyway, let's get back to the election talk and what's going to happen, uh, depending on who wins. Uh, you know, obviously uh, things will be pretty much the same if uh, Trump is reelected. If Joe Biden wins, uh, I think we got a better chance of having a few things come in. Uh, he had, uh, mentioned in a statement uh, in this last December that he doesn't support Biden does not support adding unnecessary restrictions to the gaming industry like the Trump administration has. He also says that uh, the White House opinion uh, that was reversed and overruled by the court should be the prevailing position. So uh, that could be a possible snowball effect. And uh, we'll see what happens. I also think about, uh, you know, if he's elected and starts putting people in his cabinet, uh, there's going to be former uh, people that ran for the presidency earlier this year, especially a guy like Andrew Yang, who was very supportive of online poker and say he gets a job as, uh, you know, uh, some sort of uh, business consultant or even uh, the Department of Labor or something like that. I think we could see things moving in a good direction. We could, Dave, but my my thought process is, if 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 uh, Joe Biden does win the presidency, he needs to carry both the Senate and the House. The Democrats need to carry both of them because uh, if the houses are divided, you know, um, I don't see how legislation is going to get out of there. You know, it could get out of one house or the other, but it, you know. For a bill to be passed, it's going to have to go through both houses. And um, I don't see how that's possible, uh, you know, with a gaming, you know, online gaming scenario, um, especially if the president is behind, is supporting it or his staff is supporting it. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the politics in this country will one party will try to stand up against it. Hey guys, Joe, I got a Joe. I got a quick question on that note because I don't know the answer, and this is a good opportunity for for us to learn. Uh, generally, is there one party that is for this and one party that is against? Because I I'm, I'm wondering, like they're going to have to get together on some things. It can't just be zero things that happen for four years if they are split. And maybe something like online poker or gaming is something that there's. Um, positive thoughts on on both sides, depending on who we're talking about. Maybe like that's exactly the kind of thing they could push through um, to say, "Hey, look, we did something. You know, we let you guys gamble from home." Like, um, is there a party that is for and a party that is against, or is it 
more complicated. Well, you, you would think that Trump, as a casino owner, would certainly not be against gambling. Uh, he may be more along the lines of uh, Adelson, where he wants to protect uh, his ownership in, in casino properties and, and not be infringed on by online gaming that doesn't bet him, benefit him directly. That would be no surprise, I, I think. But the Democratic Party, I think, is a little more wide open to some things happening. Uh, you know, we're going to get to the point where there's going to be a huge deficit in this country, and there's going to need to be generating more revenue to, uh, to offset that you know, over the next, I'm talking about over the next uh, 10, 12 years. So. Okay. And and Dave, uh, I forget how. What was the name of that 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 plan that 2006 uh, that the Republicans pushed through that eventually sent party poker out of the United States? Well, the UIGEA. There you go. And um, like Dave says, I I believe the Democrats are more in tune to helping online gaming, Joe, as opposed to the Republicans. Uh, we both know that Mitch McConnell has, uh, you know, depending on uh, who's who's donating to uh, <laughs> contributing to his to his coffers there, because uh, he's been on both sides, you know, in the in the years that we've done this show. He, well, let's, he has let's, supported let's, something, then went against it. So my guess is, you know, whatever yeah. his his interest interest is lies in whatever whoever his supporters are. Well, we can't predict what's going to happen until we find out what happens today or actually over the next few days with the results of the election. But uh, I'll give you one example. Lindsey Graham is a huge opponent of online gaming and uh, he's vulnerable. He he could be gone by uh, next week. Who knows? But uh, we'll see what happens again. We're not we're used to the status quo of not really knowing uh, what the crystal ball looks like. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, you know, <laughs> we. We are in, in 2020, which uh, like somebody put on Facebook, just, I've lived through so many decades and they started listing each month in the month of in the year of 2020 as a decade. Um, you know, we really don't know which way this is going to go, Joe. And it's a great question to find out which one of the two parties you think we don't know that they, they could both be for it, you know, after this election or they could both be, you know, against it. It's 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 funny how this has been in the years that I've been involved in this industry. Yeah, well, the bottom line, and this is very strange, but uh, the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, has severely damaged land-based casinos uh, and been a a boom for online gaming uh, all over the place. So with restricted capacity in these rooms, uh, all kinds of uh, you know, pe- travel restricted and, and people not actually wanting to go out as much. Online gaming is suddenly, uh, you know, a big interest of a lot of these companies that have run gambling for years. Well, Dave, this is they're seeing this as a way to start recovering some of the you know, right. revenue and um, a rather inexpensive way of recovering this revenue yeah, because, you sure. know, it's not labor intensive. Uh, as as a land based casino is obviously so, you know this. I believe that eventually it has to go that way. Now whether it takes another decade before that happens, uh, who the hell knows? I mean, you know, I'd love to see this happen uh, before I become a really old man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And let's, and let's see what happens. Yeah. Well, just to talk a little bit about Pennsylvania, uh, I realized something I didn't really realize today because I don't. Uh, you know, I don't look into that a lot or know a lot of people that live up there, but uh, Poker Stars Pennsylvania has had a virtual monopoly on the online business, and that's going to change pretty soon. Um, there's several other uh, things coming, including 888 Poker and WSOP.com are coming soon, and uh, that will not only create some more interest, but some much needed competition. Well, yeah, but I listen, just. Going back all those years when Poker Stars was still on, you know, and by them also remember they bought out Full Tilt and, and when they did all of that and they took all of their, uh, you know, uh, I forgive my ignorance in in uh, the technology, but they got all the all the information that Full Tilt had, how they ran their their site. Uh-huh. Uh, Poker Stars, remember that's one of the things we've discussed here. You know, the the convenience, the ease, the, the greatness of how, you know, how the software works. 
And, uh, you know, I can only imagine it's gotten better, you know, because I, I haven't been on poker stars or seen it. Uh, I don't know if you have since, you know, since they've been uh, blackballed for most of the United States, but it was great. I hated being off of that, off of that site. Yeah. No, I understand. Uh, one final thing about Vegas uh, that just happened this week, and and I don't know if this will be a trend for the future or not, but there's actually a uh, a, a hotel uh, that is going to be reopening as adults only. You have to be 21 or older to even enter the hotel or the building. It's called the Cromwell, and uh, that will be reopening um you know, pretty soon as, a, as an adults-only property. And I, I just think back to the days when Vegas tried to make a transition to a family destination, and it was pretty much a disaster, and they've gone back to away from that, uh, certainly in the last few years. So uh, I don't know if this is a trend, but uh, it could be very interesting. <laughs> I know if it goes back to adults-only uh, I'm I'm sure we all remember what was being handed out on the streets on every single corner as you walked the strip. <laughs> <laughs> that sure wasn't that sure wasn't kid friendly. So, strip strip being the, the key word there. There you go. There you go. Okay, so let's take a break here on the program. Uh, I, there's a few other things I want to take a little look into the upcoming uh, Negranu Poke heads up match. I want to clear up uh, some maybe some. Uh, misinformation that I might have passed out. I had talked about it starting on Sunday, but it's now supposed to start uh, tomorrow as we do the show here on Tuesday. It's supposed to start on Wednesday, November 4th, and I'll give you a little details of what's, how that's going to work if you're interested in watching that. Also, a few other things going on. Um, there's a story about uh, Jonathan Duhamel that I thought was very interesting, and if we get a chance, we might slip in some uh, strategy talk here a little later in the show. Anyway, we'll be back with more of the show when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line, and we always want you to check out the show wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you review the show or decide to uh, you know, give us a, re- a response, maybe a subscription to the show, then we'll uh, pick up more people, and there's more things we can do as far as guests, and that kind of stuff goes. So please do that if you can. Uh, if not, you can always pick it up at our regular places, the, the Poker Fuse podcast page, the Hold'em Radio Network carrying the show, and, of course, anywhere you get your podcasts, including SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else. So uh, we'll be back with more of today's show when we return. Poker Action Line coming to you some from South Florida. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... (laughs) Sometimes, though. (laughs) You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman. Let's break for lunch. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show, Big Dave and Joe, and uh, I do want to get to this Polk uh, Negranu match. Talk about that a little bit, but uh, you know, always possibility Joe might have to uh, duck out a little bit here early. But uh, uh, I don't know what you've uh, found out about that. But let's talk a little strategy while I still have you here. Um, 
You know, I, I there's certain places that I, I follow regular. I don't uh, subscribe to any of Jonathan Little's stuff. But now that he is writing regularly in Card Player Magazine, I see some really great stories uh, that he writes every week. And he seems to be a, just a fountain of information. So uh, I was looking at one of the most recent ones that just came out, in fact, came out today, uh, talking about playing top pairs and basically making your decisions by predicting what opponents will do. So talks a lot about check raising, and I wanted to get into a couple of hands that he talks about and see what you think, Joe. Um, obviously, pairs, he says, do not have the same amount of value. And, uh, you know, the bigger the pairs, the better you can uh, have a little more power with what you decide to do. So uh, he said, take, a, for instance, a hand. Uh, where someone calls from the button, you call with uh, Jack-10 of spades, and the flop comes 10-7-5. So nothing with your uh, your suits, you know, no possible flush there. But you do have a nice pocket pair, and you should decide what you want to do. Not a po- you got a pair, not a pocket pair. You got you a got, pair. No, a not pair a pair. A pair, exactly. Yeah, a pair. Ten on right. the board and a ten in your hand. So... Uh, he said, should you check or should you bet? So he said, depending. And your position is where? He is, uh, let's see. Uh, Was he the bar? He's the big blind. Oh, okay. Should you come out betting? Is that is that what Jonathan Little is asking? Yeah. That's a good, that's a hell of a question. I, again, for me, it always depends on who the people I'm playing against are. If I believe that the opponent is going to bet out, I might take a raise on him there and see if I can isolate. Well, that's what he says. He says you got to look at the players, and obviously you can't do this. We're not sitting at the table for the last two hours, and we don't know. But uh, you have to decide. He thinks if the player is going to play kind of in a straightforward manner against uh, a lead, he said – or raise with a better hand, he said leading is an excellent option. But if you think your opponents – are going to make tricky decisions in the future hands, future streets. He says uh, you should check. So um, he said if you do check and the initial raiser bets, the other players fold, you should either call or check raise depending on how you expect your opponents to react. Uh, if you think he will fold worse hands to a check raise, which is usually the case, he said, for most players, calling is vastly superior to check raising because the check raise will result in your opponent playing well. Yeah, well, exactly. I like I said, well, I kind of mentioned similar to what Jonathan right, said there. I would, um, again, so much goes into the person that you're playing against, um, whether it's someone you know, someone you don't know, someone you've been able to get a read on, you know, depending on how long you've been playing there. So I've played it both ways. You know, I've had that yeah. situation and, and that 10 jack suited used to be, you know, especially early on in my poker career, my favorite hand to have. Uh, I've won a lot of hands with that hand. Um, but as you find out, Wes, you get a little more experience. 10 jack is a nice hand to have every now and then, but not to go crazy every time you get it because right. you will lose a lot of money with it. But in this particular case, I think that's a great flop for your 10 jack. My guess is that, um, you know, you, you obviously didn't put your, your opponent, the person who raised, on a bigger on a, a bigger pocket pair because then it wouldn't make any sense for you to be calling with a 10 jack. Right. He if said he, if you if you believe he's drawing thin, then uh, you certainly want to keep him in the hand. You By calling, you give him the opportunity to make additional mistakes, he says, and uh, you can have, extract some uh, nice value later in the hand. He said if you do check... And the initial raiser bets, if there's three players in a hand and the other player calls, you have to figure out whether you're going to fold, call, or check raise. Now, unless you have a specific read, he says, uh, and if you are confident uh, that one of them has a really strong hand, you just get out of the way and fold. Right. Like I said, if you have three players in the hand, you know, um, you know, depending, once again, based on your players and the people there, if the other opponent who calls knows that the uh, the initial raiser and, and the continuation bet is just a weak play, he may be playing with two overcards just to see the call since you came out, you know, showing a little bit of weakness. 
at this point, me, I'd like to isolate myself. You know, I don't want people with overcards playing in that hand. Right. And like he's like Jonathan Little says, if the initial raiser raise would say with a weak ace, well, you know, now he's drawing to three outs against you. And if he said he had an ace nine, an ace eight, you know, catches an eight or a nine on the turn, you know, you've got him hooked in there, you know, now because you've got the, you know, you, you've got the over pair on him. Uh, again, there's a lot of different ways to play this hand. And I believe Jonathan Little is addressing the different ways that you could play top pair with, uh, in this case, medium kicker <laughs> at best, you know, right. with a jack. Right. But that's how I would play that hand out. Okay. Um, if if the middle guy that you said called uh, is a, an extremely good player and knows that I've got to act behind him, uh, a straight call by him might worry me that he's trying, you know, that he's hit, might have hit a, a low set on that board, could have hit a set of sevens, uh, because I believe you said the flop was 10-7-5. Uh, open-ended, could have a 6-8 in his hand. Right, uh, right. There's a lot of things that would worry me if I had respect for that player and the style of play that he had. Yeah, so he said if you have all things uh, that go into it for sure. If he said if you have uh, analyzed them and feel like their the opponents are overly active and could have anything, he said it's probably best to check raise to a smaller amount, an amount that worse made hands can realistically call. He said raising to a huge amount is not a good idea because it allows your opponents to uh, play perfectly and uh, continue when they have you beat and folding when you have them beat. So uh, take it easy, he says, and, uh, you know, try to see what's happening as, as the additional cards come. And, and, you know, you know how much I respect Jonathan Little, how he writes here. Down here in South Florida, though, sometimes, uh, you know, yeah, if you come out with a huge raise, check raise, most opponents around the country are going to say, oh, this guy's hit a monster hand. And like he said, they'll play perfectly against you. They'll they'll release that hand. But if you think that ace-8 guy, like down here, you know, they, they go, hey, I'm not going to get bullied. You know, they have they go into that machismo right. thing the, down here. The macho well, man. then going all in will get someone, you know, like this to say, oh, he's trying to bluff me and I'm not going to. You know, I'm not going to get bluffed out with an ace-7 or an ace-8, whatever. <laughs> you know, where a hand that you should honestly just be throwing as quickly as you can into the muck. And you get this guy to call, you know, you're going to make a lot of money over the long haul. You know, this guy's got to suck out on you with two cards left to go. So, uh, once again, depending on where you are and who you're playing against, um like he says, that's usually the same strategy, not to go crazy because you know that you want a, a worse hand to call you. But down here, my experience of watching constant hours and hours of poker players, <laughs> you push you push the, uh, the, the the person who can't park his ego at the door. Um, right. They're going to they're going to throw that money in there. So. Right. But, but that's how. Well, we know that uh, there's no way to really anticipate any particular hand how the other players have been pl playing, but you have been making these mental notes over the course of play, and you've determined you know how these players have been playing. So that has a huge uh, uh, effect on, on what you decide to do. The point of this article, the bottom line really, is that if you're only thinking, he says, about your two cards and how they connect with the board, you will not succeed in the long run. You have to anticipate what your opponents are going to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, as I tell a lot of people, you know, the best hand, obviously the best hand doesn't always win. You know, the best player usually does, but not the best hand, you know. And yeah. the best player knows how to extract as much money as they can possibly can get from an opponent, usually knows how to lose the minimum amount, and knows how to win without having the best hand. And, right, right. You know, this all comes through many years of learning how to play, reading these articles like Jonathan Little and anybody else that you respect. And, um, you know, I, I would highly recommend that people, you know, start using this, you know, this style of play and, and taking what Jonathan Little and other great poker players have to say so that you can maximize your profits 
uh, learn how to play different styles of hands. Uh, like you mentioned here, top pair in this particular instance, this is a great article to go through because it's put me thinking about how many times I've been through this on both ends of, on both ends of the, of, of the, you know, on both sides of the fence. And, um, you know, some of them were successful, some weren't. And I guarantee you, if I had read this article, uh, when I was first learning, I would have had a lot more successes than I did have. Right. Well, just to give Jonathan a plug, he does send me uh, lots of emails and stuff, you know, and obviously he's he's run a great teaching business, but he's a player that's won over $7 million in live tournament earnings and several books. Yeah, he's got some great books out there. So check them out on Amazon. You can just search Jonathan Little and find out, you know, something that might help your game. But he does have a website called pokercoaching.com. So you can uh, really improve your game. Uh, develop a fundamentally sound style of play, and uh, really, he, as they say, raise your win rate. So uh, check that out, uh, and you can. Yeah, that's I, I would highly recommend that. I mean, I've enjoyed reading him for many years, and, you know, the, the magic number there, folks, 7 million won. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And done very well in tournaments down here as well. Uh, let's switch uh, gears a little bit. An interesting story came out uh, in the last few days about Jonathan Duhamel, the former uh, main event champion uh, back in 2010. It's amazing how, how far we go back there. He won $8.9 million in 2010 at the main event. He's, from, he's a Canadian player, and he's, we've heard stories about Jonathan over the years that uh, he actually was robbed, uh, set up by an ex-girlfriend, and they actually broke into his house, and he's gone through some problems. So everything is not all rosy when you win a big tournament like that and make a lot of money. But his problems now have to do with taxes, and it's the Canadian taxes uh, are causing some problems. Uh, the government uh, replaced, re, uh, trying to repossess some of the stuff from him that they say he has not paid. Uh, they're pursuing 1.2 million in back taxes from him in Quebec. Uh, this story comes from the a re, a report from the Canadian. And uh, most Canadian players, he said, they say, have the luxury of keeping the entirety of their winnings because according to Canadian tax laws, earnings from games of chance are not taxable. So for all this work that the poker industry has gone through to try to prove that poker is not a game of chance, it's a game of skill, uh, that is the defense that uh, Jonathan is using right now. He is uh, uh, citing that, uh, that his hedging operation, like swapping action with other players, and that the fact that poker was his sole source of income – as opposed to some of his investments, is why he should be considered a business. And uh, he says that uh, it is a game of skill uh, or a game of chance, and it was all due to Lady Luck, which doesn't say a lot for his uh, his own skill advantage that we thought he possessed. But uh, he's trying to get out of paying a lot of this thing, saying that uh, this was a game of chance and he shouldn't have to pay. Oh, boy. <laughs> Which is deep. He said he never had any formal poker training, never used a specific system, and that his sponsorship with Poker Stars only came as a result of his main event victory, another circumstance of chance, he says. So he's uh, going before this court. He's going to be, the case is going to be heard next March, and he's trying to get out of paying this extra money. Well, I, I would try to get out of paying $1.2 million if I could too, but. Uh... Uh, you know, too many people have said that the game of poker is a game of skill. Yeah. And, uh, you well, know, that's curious. You know, I'm, I'm really curious to see what they, what they say in Canada is online gaming over there is legal, isn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah. It Cause a lot of American players have moved into Canada to be able to play on, on, you know, all these great sites. And, um, I don't know. I mean, you know, for his sake, I hope he wins the case. I don't know if he's going to be able to convince uh, a judge or a jury that uh, poker is just strictly a game of luck. 
especially I for a I don't player think of his is. caliber. I don't think he is going to convince that. So I don't think his chances are great, but we'll see. You know, a lot of players in Canada have gotten over the years, gotten out of paying taxes simply because of the, that argument. Uh, the interesting thing is they will discuss this uh, over and over again during the trial, and at least we'll have another opinion uh, that possibly we could use as a precedent down the line. Yeah, we could. And I'll tell you what, what, you know, I, hopefully he's got a great memory because hopefully he hasn't been interviewed in his poker career, uh, more than likely after winning the main event that, you know, he's not there going, well, you know, this is a game of skill. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Because those are words that are going to come back to haunt him if, if he's mentioned them in the past. And it's, Hard to think about it. How old is he now? He's got to be, what, maybe 40 in his early 40s or late yeah, 30s? That, that would be my guess. It doesn't say here in this story, but uh, that would be my guess. You know, so, um, again, best of luck to him on this <laughs> scenario. But like you said, maybe this will go forward depending on how the the outcome of this uh, the decision comes out as to whether uh, – this will help online gaming here in the United States going forward. Exactly. Okay, let's switch gears again back to the uh, Polk Negranu story. Now, I had mentioned on the show last week that it was starting on November 1st. They've actually come to a few more agreements and decide what they're going to do. It's actually going to start on November the 4th, and there's lots of people betting lots of money on this thing. Uh, Poker Shares is a site that uh, allows uh, players to – bet on uh, the markets and, and things that are happening. Uh, we've also seen uh, the Galfon challenge going on, so people are uh, taking care of that. Uh, Mike Timex McDonald was involved in starting this site called PokerShare. So we'll take a look in a minute about what people are looking at. But just to give you a few of the facts on, on what's going to happen, uh, they'll start on November 4th, which is uh, – Later this week, I guess that is, uh, let's see, today is the 3rd. So that is Wednesday, November the 4th. And they're going to start out the match playing head-to-head live at, um, let's see, it's going to be at, uh, I don't even see where that is here. I'll get that in a second. But uh, they're going to be played, oh, it's going to be at the Aria. They're going to play at the Aria. They're going to play 200 hands on that opening day. Uh, It will be live on Poker Go. Uh, using actual chips and cards. And then after that, they'll play a total of 25,000 hands on WSOP.com, and uh, various people will carry those uh, on their streams on Twitch, I'm pretty sure. Uh, The one agreement that they made that was uh, some contention earlier is that uh, Negrano previously said that that Polk cannot use his uh, pre-flop charts, which are pretty much readily available on uh, his site, Upswing Poker. But uh, after discussing that, they've decided to allow both notes and charts for the match. So that's a little bit different. Uh, Negrano says he won't be using them, but uh, I agree that he can. Uh, He said, of course, I'll be taking notes, and it seems like if notes are allowed, you could just write it out on paper. So it's hard to argue against it, he says. Uh, Negrano has confirmed that he... uh, deposited a $1 million cashier's check from his bank into his online account through the Caesars cage. He's been playing uh, heads up, no limit for several weeks now as a practice. And, and Polk has done the same. So Negrano says that his win percentage in practice sessions is tw- 15 to 20% over the last four weeks. And he said, it's one of the worst downswings that he's ever experienced. So uh, the results from uh, Polk, he said he's been winning except he had one $100 session on WSOP where he lost $366,000. So that offset all the wins that he had put together. So I think there's a little bit of gamesmanship here, Dave. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this will go on for a while. I think it's probably good for both players' uh, brand and, and positioning in the market. Uh, I think there'll be some excitement here. I'm not sure it's for everybody. Uh, I know it's probably not for you, but they're going to have 100 big blind stacks set to last uh, 25,000 hands. If anybody drops below the 100 big blind stacks, uh, they'll automatically top it off to the max. And uh, there is an option for the losing player to quit after the halfway point. 
but they could also raise the stakes at that point. So uh, a lot of things could happen either way. We'll see what happens with that. But people are keeping their eye on it. Uh, Kane Callis is going to be doing the commentary on the live portion. Uh, it's 100, I'm sorry, 200, 400 is the uh, stakes. Blind structure, right? On the blinds. Good. I mean, it's not crazy blinds, uh, you know, with the amount of money that they're going to be getting. So it should should allow for some interesting play. Exactly. Uh, just to give you an idea of uh, some of the players that maybe have supported one side or another, um, the uh, the mouth, Mike Matiso, betting heavily on uh, Negreanu. Uh Phil Helmuth also betting yeah, on Negreanu. I was going to say, you mentioned Phil last week also taking four to one odds, correct? Exactly. So, uh, you know, and, and, and a lot of this goes into personality too. You know, you're going to, you're obviously going to support your friends. Uh, most people feel that Polk has the advantage as a as longtime heads up player, but uh, a lot of people really like Negreanu and, uh, you know, the four to one is uh, a pretty nice price on that. I, if I was still a betting man, I'd be putting my money on Daniel, you know, it's not bad getting four to one in a Hall of Famer. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's actually uh, in American prices. It's four forty to a hundred. Really? And Polk is minus five eighty eight. So you have to play a it's like layup. A good price. Match. It's like a boxing match. Exactly. You, know, where you get one of those those guys that they don't think the heavyweight or the champ is going to lose. So uh, I don't know. I I would take my chance with Daniel and getting four four point four to one on my money. I, yeah. Let me, I, listen, I, I may have to find somebody to put it just a, a very friendly wager on this. And that's not that's not the only bets. I, I, it's an interesting story on Poker News. They say, uh, you know, some of the other bets that you can make uh, will include whether a player will slow roll another during the first session. Uh, hmm. That's and an interesting. That's an interesting prop bet there. because because of the anger and actually you let for to, for to say yes you need to lay one twenty eight to win a hundred uh, no is plus one hundred five uh, they got uh, the size of the biggest pot whether it's going to be over or under a hundred thousand dollars also who gets stacked first and uh, you know fallout from the match includes whether Polk will uh, return to becoming a professional player after this challenge uh, you know heavily 10 to 1 against against him doing that uh but they also say will negranu cease to be a poker player because of this challenge and you get plus 1400 if you say no if you say yes uh but no it's 5000 i think it's pretty obvious <laughs> uh, and they're talking about whether the the challenge will conclude by february 1st of next year or earlier than February 1st. So there's bets on all that kind of thing. And uh, it's a grudge poker match, and they've been building it up pretty well, just like the boxers done and have done in years past. Now, let me ask you, do they, uh, is there a time frame, be, you know, that they have to decide, hey, we have to play the second round of this or whatever? Or there are there is no time limitation as long as they play – 25,000 hands or somebody right well the loser decides to end it after 12,000 you know if there's bad feelings it might take a while to get this done but there's really no rounds like the the one we talked about last week with Helmuth and uh, the magician Uh, there's not quickly gains when it's over it's over you know Uh, and uh, uh, of course you know since you're topping off your stack it's going to be a while since uh, we get to that point but uh, it looks like we're in for the duration beginning tomorrow. Well, let me tell you, this, it should be very interesting. Um, this is one that I may have to look up and see how it's going along, you know, yeah. once it gets started. As you know, I'm, I'm usually not – I usually come to the show and wait for you to tell me what the results are. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm going to be watching but, it. I'm going to try to get some reports on I, this. I might be very interested in being that I'm going to be home for a few days uh, after Wednesday, so – after uh, uh, looking at this, uh, Mike Timex McDonald said, uh, he said, there's a very interesting dynamic when it comes to the betting. He said, generally, the guys betting on Doug have never played live, and the guys betting on Daniel have never played online. 
So it's so these are the styles make a fight, so to speak. Is yeah, and he said about? he says there's shockingly little volume from the players who have, have substantial experience playing both. Yeah, I mean because again, uh, I I have a feeling if this was played in a brick and mortar place, that you would not be able to get four to one. I mean, or four and a half to one uh, odds on that. I just for some reason that's how I feel. Maybe because of that, but um, you know, and I think Daniel would find a way to get into him uh, in person if this was strictly all, in, uh, you know, in a brick and mortar. Yeah. Well, we're running down toward the end of the show, and uh, I know everybody has stuff to do today. We'll be looking intently at the election tonight. Um, I think the the one thing, if you want to bet on it, is that. 90% of the people or more are going to be happy that it's over because they don't have to watch any more commercials. Yeah, yeah so I saw something early this morning on Facebook where they had a little off and Annie going, tomorrow, tomorrow, <laughs> the commercials. <laughs> I can't wait for tomorrow or something. You know, long that tomorrow will, will never go. It's only a day away. So Yeah, absolutely. That was, I can't wait for this to end and the, and the stupid mailers that keep coming in the mail and, you know, Regardless, the world will continue. Did you guys see uh, John Mulaney on Saturday Night Live this no. past Saturday? No, I didn't. His opening routine was funny as hell. He goes, so this is the last weekend right before the election. And he goes, and this country is going to elect. He goes, and the election is between two old men. We either we keep the old man we've had or we, or we elect a new old man. And you know what's going to happen? Nothing. The United States will continue to be the United States, and we're going to continue. And after all these months, I feel the same way. You know, we we've, we we may not have gone through an election like this one in our history, but we've gone through elections where we thought if one candidate won over another, things would be that much better or that much worse. And uh, guess what? Country has kept going. So I believe that's what we're going to do. I just pray that uh, the people who are on different sides of this fence uh, of Trump or Biden, you know, learn to respect each other and, and treat this, you know, and move on. That's yeah. And, and I, I hope that uh, what we've seen trending the last couple of days, that maybe there won't be demonstrations. We know people are getting prepared uh, so it doesn't affect their business like it has uh, with protests earlier this year for different reasons. But, uh, you know, you just got to hope that, uh, you know, people accept the results uh, you may not be happy about it, and you may, uh, you know, obviously uh, think about next time, but voting a little uh, harder or working harder on a campaign to get uh, the things that you're looking for. But, um, again, it's not going to do anybody any good to uh, use physical violence and intimidation uh, over the next few days because we're not going to know probably anything for the next few days. It's going to take a while to decide, unless it's right. A- Blowout, of course, which is and common. we don't we don't. I mean, I'm I'm not anticipating that. I'd be very surprised if it was. But uh, you know, earlier this morning, Dave, I don't know how it is in Broward because both of you guys live in Broward, but they mentioned that in Dave that seventy percent of the registered voters had already voted. Yeah. You know, yeah, either yeah, the lines were not bad out early. There, from what so, I hear, so you know that's that's a great sign. You know, we, you know this 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 election has. You know, touch nerves with a lot of people on both sides, and um, you know, I'm I'm grateful to see that the public is out there voting. And like you said at the beginning of the show, I also vo- I voted yesterday. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, I'm sorry, not yesterday, Sunday. Yeah, I went to last, uh, to the last and minute show. Like in and out, in and out, one, two, three. You know, yeah. so it was great, and um, you know. Uh, America will still be here tomorrow morning, folks. And, yeah. uh, you know, we, we will continue to be great no matter yeah. what. Well, bottom line is uh, we need to take this virus seriously. Uh, if we need a change in leadership to get that done, then so be it. Uh, but, uh, you know, whatever happens, I hope that uh, people stay safe. Uh, and many people that have been downplaying it and denying it, uh, start to realize that we are headed in the wrong direction and we need to be careful and uh, vigilant because we can slow this thing down. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Yep. Yep. So 
let's just pray that everything goes well. Uh, and, you know that, that 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 our country stays safe and people stay safe out there. That's all. Yeah. One final note: uh, this weekend is the world's largest outdoor outdoor cocktail party up in Jacksonville, Florida, Georgia game. And uh, there's going to be uh, decreased crowds, uh, limited capacity, no uh, RV uh, tailgates, and they're even having some uh, alcohol bans in the city of Jacksonville. So all I can say is if you're looking for a true uh, poster child for 2020, that would be it. All righty. Well, listen, Everybody out there, uh, get out and vote if you haven't, and uh, <laughs> have good, a wonderful day. Good luck day. to you. Good luck to you, folks, but I hope I win. <laughs> you? What is this you? <laughs> we'll see you next week. Joe Costello, thank you very much for getting us on early here on Election Day. Uh, Joe, I know you got lots of business to attend to, so uh, have at it, and uh, we will talk to you in the next couple of days. All right, guys. And to you care. folks, we'll see you next week on another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 